We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Pacer Nation, welcome back to your go-to Pacers podcast, setting the pace. We are winners, but the Pacers are not, as they lose four in a row, Fachi, to the Los Angeles Clippers, a game that it felt like it was going to be a loss when you saw it scheduled with who they were playing, who wasn't going to be available, but what were your overall thoughts on the game, Fachi? Well, first, I want to say it made me feel good for you to call me a winner, because there hasn't been much to celebrate lately, so I appreciate that. You weren't in the building re- tonight, so it wasn't your fault. I, I was it was not my fault. So I feel good that, you know, I'm innocent. But as it relates to the Pacers, this was a tough one to to not only get up for, you know, as, as a fan, because you see who's out of the lineup and you go, Oh man, I mean there there's there's no bigs tonight, no Jalen Smith, no Turner. There's the G League Winter Showcase, which a lot of people weren't even paying attention to. So now you're saying, like, on the night that Jarris Walker would have gotten a lot of playing time, maybe even Oscar Sheboy, they're not available. And then Tyrese Halbert, you know he's not 100%, but you're 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 putting him back out there. And then you got a hot Clippers team. So I didn't feel great about it going into the game. I felt pretty good after the first quarter, but he hits a, a nice shot, gets a little bit of momentum in the lead. That was it. After the first quarter, this game was downhill. Yeah, I mean, 38-37 at the end of the first. Bruce Brown, Isaiah Jackson really got things started off well for the Pacers. Had over 20 points together, I think, in that first quarter. Isaiah Jackson, 11 points, was the most points he scored in a a quarter in his career. And he looked like, okay, this is going to be a really good matchup for him. And then, you know, just to kind of touch on the, the big points here for me, I thought Ben Matherin played awesome in this game. Had 34 points, was a career high for him, so that's a new career high for Ben Matherin. The previous one was 32 against the Brooklyn Nets, so now he's got 34 in a in a blowout loss, a 24-point 20, loss to the Clippers, 151-127. to 127. 
I, I feel bad for Ben because I I felt like he was one of the only guys that kind of showed up to play in this game. And uh, in addition to that, I mean, Tyrese Halliburton, let's just call it what it is, Fachi. Worst game of the season for him. It was atrocious effort from him on both ends of the floor. Uh, just really careless with the basketball. And that's not like Tyrese. That was very uncharacteristic of him. And, you know, we expect a lot from Tyrese every single game. But I, I think at this point, you know, maybe this season has just been long because of the in-season tournament run and all that. I'm not trying to make excuses, but he just did not look like himself tonight. No, he didn't. And you're right. We do expect a lot out of Tyrese because he's blessed us with these incredible games. But you saw early on, it was like something, something ain't right with Tyrese. And at one point, you know, he had he had zero points, three assists, and three turnovers. I mean, we remember a time when the in-season tournament where Tyrese had 28 assists to zero turnovers and was just being aggressive. But the first quarter, he goes scoreless. Uh, second quarter, he, he had two points. So he had two points at halftime on one of five shooting. And you knew... And I, I just don't know. It doesn't really look like Tyrese has it. Comes out aggressive, hits the first shot right in the third. And then you could just tell it was like, all right, you know what? It, it's just not his night. Overall, I felt like looking back, if this looked like a scheduled loss, it might have just been better to just rest him overall and have him a bit healthier going in to that you know game against the Hornets where you feel it's a winnable game. He's healthy. I, I just feel like this was not a great game to trot him out there. Maybe it's after seeing that he wasn't healthy, but he did not look like himself. And to your point, I do think it was the worst game he's played this season. Yeah, I mean, there was just passes that he made. Like, I, I was just kind of baffled by some of them, and I don't know. He just wasn't shooting the ball well, and I know that the Clippers do have some length with Paul and Kawhi, and they were doing a good job of trying to make it a little bit difficult for him, but – even then, like he just he just did not look like himself. And the fact that he didn't score but two points in the first half, and I think the, the points came with like two minutes and 17 seconds left is when he scored his first bucket. The pace was right in that game, uh, you know, for a majority of it without Tyrese being himself. So, you know, they, they were hanging in there okay. And then everyone kind of thought, okay, maybe Tyrese is going to have a third quarter takeover, and he did not. So... It's tough because, you know, you put a lot of pressure on Tyrese, and we we can talk about that. But I'm not even worried about the offense. I just think the defense has got to get better from him. I mean, there's only so much he can do as a defender because he is smaller in frame, but he is just like a – he's just so lackadaisical defensively. And he'd rather – to me, I, I've recently noticed that, you know, unless he's playing off ball, if he's involved in any of the actions on ball – they're going to drive right through him and get right to the basket whenever they want. Now they're going to do that against a lot of other players on this team too, but they do it with a lot much, uh, they do it with much more ease against Tyrese than anybody else on the roster because Tyrese just doesn't put up a fight defensively like he should. And it makes me mad when you go back and him kind of getting annoyed about the defense and stuff like that in the in-season tournament, he was like, you know, everybody thinks they're a genius because they say we don't play defense. Well, it's like, yeah, you got to be a lot better defensively. It's like nobody's saying we're a genius by saying it. We're just calling out the facts. And, you know, you as a leader, in my opinion, have to step up. It, other guys, they need to build a better roster around you defensively. I'll give you that. But you're the leader of this team, and you have got to step up defensively and at least give some more effort to try to stop guys from getting to the basket. 
I'm 100% with you because he said he wanted to lead by example. The leader of this team needs to lead by example. And I'm not, not saying we need Tyrese taking charges because, look, we don't want to get him hurt. It means a lot to this team to, that you don't want to risk him on, on, on saving two points. But I just feel like I've been getting fired up for a Neesmith charge the way that other teams are getting fired up about dunks. Because it took a charge? Oh, yes! Like, a stop! That's what we needed. For Halliburton, I'm watching the game with my wife, and she's like, he's got to put some muscle on. I'm like, get him, babe. You know, tell him. But it's just like, we, you know, we need to see something. You need to see growth as a defender. Otherwise, you're going to continue to be targeted. I mean, the Clippers yeah. got everything they wanted. They got everything. And they they blew this game open. I mean, they, look, I don't want to say, oh, they scored 40 in, in the second. They scored 37 in the first. So it's just like they scored 37. Actually, they scored a minimum of 37 points in every quarter tonight. So they didn't have a bad quarter and overall in the game let's let's call it like it is if we want to talk about defensive issues the clippers shot 57 percent in yeah. this game uh they made they went 19 of 38 for three that's 50 percent 19 made threes on 50 percent shooting you're not beating anybody and how many of the pacers uh, make 12 of 33 and you know 36 percent. i know that wouldn't sound that bad but it's like 12 of 33, come on. The, the Pacers team, they're far too reliant on threes. They need more than 12. And and, and they got crushed on the glass. They got out-rebounded by 12. Across the board, you knew it was going to be bad. You're limited on bigs, but you didn't defend the, the, the perimeter at all tonight. And the Clippers' big three, I mean, I'm not going to call it a big four because Norman Powell is definitely not in that category. But, you know, you had uh, James Harden with 35 points on 12 of 16 shooting. At one point, he hit a three. He's on the floor. He's doing a snowflake just like like on the snow ground. Angel. Just snow like angel. Snow angel. A snow angel. Yeah, you know, you, you get it. A snow angel. Uh, it's like they were making an embarrassment of us. And it's just Kawhi Leonard, 28 points on 12 of 18 shooting. Paul George, 27 points on 9 of 21 shooting. It just felt like Zubash. I mean, 7 of 10 shooting, 18 points. Uh, Norman Powell, 19 points. It's like they had five players that just absolutely went off and were extremely efficient. And the Pacers just, they didn't have an answer defensively at all. And I just think tonight was one of those nights that no matter how big of a fan you are, it was tough to watch. It really hmm. was. Yeah, I mean, Kawhi Leonard was 5 for 5 in the first quarter, Fachi. And it was like Bruce Brown and Buddy Hill regarding him. And it was like every time he got the ball, he would go to the mid-range. He'd almost post him up and then shoot a mid-range fadeaway. And I'll be honest, I mean, the guys were there. They were trying to do what they could. But it's like if he even caught the ball at the top of the key, he would drive, get to the spot he wanted to, spin back to the middle, hit the fadeaway jumper. And what were the Pacers defense doing? They were standing right there with a hand in his face, but because they're five inches shorter, to no avail. And that's the problem when you don't have the right type of players out there to really defend that. You know, Paul George was 5 of 11 in the first quarter. Uh, he had 13 points, led the way for them. But, you know, it was not a great efficient shooting. And then you go into the second quarter, Kawhi picks up right where he left off, 3 of 4. You know, so now he's looking at 8 of 9 heading into the half. You got James Harden starting to heat up. He has 4 of 6 for 12 points, but then James Harden just goes off. In that third quarter, Fachi, I mean, uh, I, I could not believe it was the third or fourth quarter that he went on. Maybe it was the fourth quarter. Um, because I'm yeah, trying to, I, I, I feel fourth like quarter is when he went off five yeah. of six. 
Uh, well, I've got my stats up here wrong. Sorry, excuse me. Uh, seven of eight in the fourth quarter in five minutes and 51 seconds for James Harden. Just, just I mean, at that point, he could 21 miss. points. He could miss. It, it was getting ridiculous. And that's why he's doing a snow angel and laughing. And the Clippers, they're, they're dancing on the sideline, like truly, I mean, dancing. And it was like, that's when you know they're just like, we are killing this team. So I think the Pacers are getting some of the best efforts from, you know, opposing teams. Uh, this is what happens when I don't want to say you, when you've arrived, but no. the Clippers didn't overlook the Pacers by any means. And I know I didn't get to comment on it before, but yeah, yeah you know, shout out to Ben Mather and I 34 points at career high. Great to see. But then it also kind of reminded me of last year where it's like Matherin's eating, but the team's not winning. And that, and it's like in the beginning of the year, we were saying, well, you know what? When, when the Pacers are winning, there might not be that opportunity for him to score 20 to 30 points. Maybe it is a little lower, you know, 15 to 20. On a night like tonight where he did have 34, it's like, you know, the Pacers weren't in this game. But, you know, he he did what he could to be in this game, you know, keep the Pacers, do whatever he could, um, you know, good. But a couple things that you touched on before. Isaiah Jackson had 11 points in the first quarter, finishes the game at 15. I mean, he had such a hot start. It was awesome. I don't know where he went, just kind of faded away. It wasn't foul trouble actually only had one foul in this game. That's surprising. Yeah. But then a couple of guys you mentioned before, Bruce Brown, nine points in the first quarter, like you said, finished the game with 11. How? I mean, how does that happen between the two players that combined for 20 in the first actually finished the game with uh, six more points? So I felt like they really disappeared in this game. And, you know, I, I felt like there was no one to really step up outside of Benedict Matherin. And it, you're not going to win games if you got a one-man show because all season we've said, who's the number two behind Tyrese? Well, if Tyrese doesn't have it going, and, and let's let's put it this way, Alex. Tyrese was a minus 37 yeah. in this game. That is that is by far the highest. And look, I'm not going to you know rip him like loose leaf paper or anything like that. He wasn't healthy. We know that. I'm sure his knee was probably swollen. He was moving slow. But th- this was a night where he shouldn't have been out there and you should have just realized we're probably not going to beat this Clippers team. This is a get right game. Rest some guys, come back, be a little bit more effective because this Pacers team, they look gassed. They look tired. Yeah. I mean, Rick Carlisle. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed said tonight was ugly it's just something that's unacceptable i don't care how talented they are 
we just let them do whatever they wanted to do. And that's kind of what we were talking about. There, there was just no resistance defensively. Uh, Carlisle continues, we haven't had a tape practice, and I can't remember the last time, and we desperately need it. Uh, he also notes that T.J. McConnell was a plus 16, and Aaron Eastman was a zero, like a positive uh, plus minus of zero. Everybody else but James Johnson was in the negative. Said McConnell and Eastman are setting the example he wants on defense. That's about it. So those are uh, just little quotes I'm reading from Dustin Dopirek here, but then you talk about Tyrese Halbert, minus 37, just eight points in the game. That's just not going to fly. I mean, from your superstar player, like minus 37, that's just absurd for a guy that's that level of talent. But he also said, Halliburton said, I've been playing really poor. Anytime you let a team hang 150, you're probably not going to win. You know, with the exception being the lowly Atlanta Hawks, who are whatever. But yes. I wanted to go back to something you did say. When you said, oh, I don't know yeah. if teams are, you know, not overlooking us anymore. No, teams are circling the Pacers on the calendar because they know our defense sucks. It's got That's nothing to do. Point. It's got nothing to do with the fact that the Pacers made it to the end season tournament championship. Cool. You know how many people care about that two weeks later? Nobody. You know why? Because it doesn't really matter that much. What matters is this team has a defensive problem. And until they get it figured out, Teams are going to continue to be like, oh, I can score 64 points on them if all I do is drive straight down the basket. Oh, they're putting Buddy Hill to me on the perimeter. Let me jab step and shoot a three over him because nobody's going to be able to guard me. It's like, I get it. It's not just Buddy Hill's fault, but it's like, there's there's a problem with this Pacers roster and the way it's constructed defensively. And while we can get really excited for some of the early season wins they had, it was a pretty easy schedule at home. With teams like Utah, teams like San Antonio, you know you lost to Charlotte, but that's not a tough team. Washington came in here. Um, you beat the Bucks without Dame, and Chris Middleton was on a minutes restriction. Uh, you know we try not to look at that and you know discredit the Pacers for how they played, but at the same time the defense continues to be a problem, and it relies too much on the offense being great. Every single night, if the offense is mediocre and scores 109 points like they did against Minnesota, you feel like you can never win a game like that. But even against the Clippers, would they score 127, something like that? Yep, 127. Yeah. So that's a good scoring number for the Pacers to get at. Oh, yeah. It's what they average. Yeah. If you can get to 127, you should win those games. But you can't if you're giving up 150 points. I'm just... I'm just tired of talking about it. These guys are tired. Whatever excuse we want to give them. I'm, I'm tired of hearing excuses, you know? Maybe Rick Carlisle needs to make an adjustment to his defensive scheme if only McConnell and Neesmith are playing the way he wants them to play on a consistent basis. I completely agree. If you're talking about you know circling the Pacers as your team, if you're a you know a young single guy trying to impress a girl, bring her to the Pacers game because yeah. you're gonna go off. You're gonna score 30, 40 points. You know, this is gonna be a great impression for you. So I, I just feel that. That right now, yeah, I mean, this is like teams are licking their chops. I mean, look at the, what the Pacers have given up the last few nights, okay? Last four, four-game losing streak. 151 points to the Clippers, 127 to Minnesota, 137 to Washington, and 140 to the Milwaukee Bucks. And uh, I'm not a mathematician, but if you average that out, it, it, they're giving up probably about, you know, 135-plus points per game, which the sad thing is, is that is like solidly more than what they average on the season. So it's gotten ugly lately, and you, you got to switch something up because we've talked about this. When the Pacers have 
giving up 140, 150. We like you and I, and I'm sure plenty of other, you know, fans of this team look at this and they're like, we'll respond. This this is going to be a, a wake-up call. We're snoozing. No mm-hmm. one's waking up. No one's waking up because these losses are not having the impact of like, Oh man, we just let them get anything we want because we thought we'd respond after the after the, the Bucks loss. Yeah. When when Giannis dropped sixty four, we give up. You know, we'll let Washington do whatever they wanted. Minnesota, okay, fine, chalk it up, I guess. But how many times are we going to say, yeah, chalk it up as a loss before you get to the point where you're like, wow, actually, we we really got to get some wins, and the schedule doesn't get that much easier. Charlotte, a team we already lost to. Memphis, a team that I believe is getting John Morant back. We play Orlando, a team that played really well. Houston, there's a lot of tough games out there, and you want to see this team wake up. And right now, I don't know what it is, but they're still dreaming. No, they, they definitely are, Fachi. And I'm just looking at our Google percentage over the last four games in this losing streak is 47.7% from the field, which is not that great. And then you look at our opponent's focal percentage is 55.9. So teams are definitely out shooting us, and they're playing much better defense on us. And, I mean, even even the lowly Washington Wizards, Fachi, played better defense than the Pacers. And they yep. still gave up 123 points. It's like, I, I think that it just comes down to mind over matter. Who do you have the will to play defensively? And I think when things are going bad, it's easy to, like, have that – spiral effect happen where everybody like that downward spiral effect everyone kind of just gets a little bit emotionally upset with how things are going and instead of going out there and playing hard and and trying to right the ship they just start pouting and and taking bad shots the body language from Tyrese Halliburton in this game looked like a guy that didn't want to be on the floor and I think that with him being the leader, if that's how he's going to act, you're going to see other guys act that way too. They were better when he wasn't on the floor tonight. And that's not the, that's yeah. not the case with Tyrese usually. So I'm not going to continue to like beat a dead horse by making the same comments over and over and over again. But I'm to the point right now where it's like you have so many players on this roster that want to get out there and showcase that they can do something. And tonight was a little bit different because they were short – you know, short, I guess you could say short staffed with guys in the G League. They were, they were shorthanded. That's a good way to put it. I don't want to call these guys staff members, but they were shorthanded. No. And I just, you know, the fact that Rick Carlisle was trying to get some kind of energy out there by putting James Johnson in as a backup center, like, you know, Obi Toppin had a few nice dunks, but like, what has Obi Toppin done defensively this year? Besides the the one game I've praised him for, Against Jimmy Butler. That was Butler. nice. That game, yeah, exactly. That was it. It's all we got this year. It was he played like, okay against the 76ers. Ball. Played okay against them. But aside from that, man, for a six foot nine athletic freak like that, that dude can't guard anybody. No. Nope. It, it's 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 tough because yes, the, the the dunks they're flashy, they're nice. They you get one or two of them a game. It, it's fun. But the Pacers have enough scoring. Where I would rather see Ob, you know, stop a dunk than than get a dunk. So I think at this point, I I don't know what else we can do right now to change this overnight. And here's the thing: we're not asking to just become a decent defensive team. You can't be the worst defensive unit in the NBA and have any expectations. And I just feel like tonight was a night that it's just like you wonder what's going to wake the Pacers up. I I, I do like. 
bringing James Johnson back as like, you know, what feels like a coach on the court type of thing. He's always, you know, game. It feels like he's always whispering into someone's ear, some sort of direction, but it could only go. Oh, so far. He really can't lead by example on the court. He has his limitations. I believe it's year 16 or so for him. I mean, it's, it's, it's impressive that he's still going, but right now the Pacers, their growth, it has to come from each and every player stepping it up, you know, 5%. Yeah. Everyone's got to get a little bit better. And right now it's like you're wondering what that effort's going to be because with McConnell, Neesmith, good players, bring it each night, they're not the guys that can set the tone for this. Like you got to see Tyrese doing it. you got to see Miles having, you know, uh, great rim protection really, you know, digging up, bodying up against some of the more elite bigs. Not what you do against, and I know Miles didn't play in this Clippers game, but I'm just saying, like, you need your starters and your top-notch players leading by example compared to the bench that has its limitations. The best defense this Pacers team has played in the last four games is when they took the ball from Giannis after the game. Yeah, I agree. Yep. <laughs> I mean... I mean I mean, it was a joke that went around on Twitter, but it's the truth. I mean, if you go back and look how they've defended the last four games, and then you throw on top of that, did you see how passionate Miles and Buddy got about not giving them the ball and that leaked audio? Oh, yo, definitely. Yep. Yep. Show some of that passion on the court. If you have more passion about not giving Thanasis or Giannis's game ball back because you're trying to save it for Oscar than you do with how you're playing against the Wizards, I mean, that, that, to me, is where I'm just kind of annoyed with that. I just want more consistency. It's a long season. I'm not going to overthink it, you know, but it's just little things like that. It's like, I just want to see, like, these guys care. They don't, not saying, I'm not saying they don't care, but I just want to see them be a little bit more atten uh, attentive to details because if they can focus on the details of what it takes to win, like, it's the small things that win basketball games. It's not, you're great players. You're going to make shots. It's going to happen. But if you're not able to work together as a team defensively, you're going to be stuck in the mud and you're going to be climbing an uphill battle that you cannot win. And that's why I don't think this team can win in the playoffs if they play defense like this because they're not they're not good enough defensively that they can turn it off and on. They they always have the button off. And they might turn it on every once in a while, but then the batteries just drain right out. So I'm just trying to, you know, find a nice common ground here without killing these guys because they're still above 500 Fachi. They're still 13 and 12 there. But I think at this point in the season, you can say that this game against Charlotte on Wednesday night at seven o'clock, it is star Wars night. It is a must win. Yeah. It, it, is it too if, early? I, I, that's the thing. Look, I, I get it because we don't want to be calling like each week. This is a must win. If you lose to Charlotte, I'm telling you, this fan base right now has not seen enough to be confident in to say we will bounce back. They will say, same old Pacers, you know, we're just not ready. They'll start to turn their attention. They'll say, look at the Colts. The Colts are playing well. And it's like everything's going to just shift over at that point. Like you want everybody to believe the same way that they believed before this four-game winning streak. But here's the I – mean, four, yeah, four-game losing streak. But here's the thing. I, the Lakers lost. Yes, it didn't count, but it's five games now of losing in a, in a row, and I just think that well, you got to wake up. Okay, yes, they, they, they beat they beat the worst team in the league. That, that's lost 22 straight games. 
We do have that. And I can tell you right now, if they lost that game, the sky would be falling. So that would be really bad. But to your point, like, yes, technically it's not a must-win elimination game. But if you want the fan base to believe and show up to games, you got to show us something. And I think that they have to respond against a Charlotte team that already beats you. And that, you know what, at a team that ain't playing much defense, that night, LaMelo Ball in that final possession – Play the best defense of his life. They got a timely stop on Tyrese Halliburton. I want to see the Pacers be able to get a timely stop here and there because a timely stop was the difference between beating the Bucks when Matherin stripped Giannis and coming up short in that game. Well, and you got to remember this too, and I'm not trying to make light of the situation, but Miles Bridges is well-rested because he wasn't able to play in Toronto. That is, that is very true. And the Pacers didn't see him in the first game. And that's another yep. wing that has had their way with the Pacers over the years. So whether you agree with what he did or not, or you don't have an opinion on it, or you do have an opinion on it, he's going to play in this game. And he is going to be hungry to get out there and kind of make up for what he missed in that game against Toronto on Monday night. So, you know, this is, a to me, a must-win for the Pacers. Or they have to win this game. And Memphis is not going to be easy the game after that. Second night of a back-to-back, you know, third game in four nights, and John Morant's coming back off his suspension Wednesday night. So he'll be, you know, revved up for that one. No uh, no pun intended there with the Pacers revving it up thing. But it's a game you can still win, though, even if Jaw's back. And I think if the Pacers really want to kind of separate themselves and kind of prove, okay, we are a top-six team in the Eastern Conference, you got to win against Charlotte. You got to beat Memphis and then come home and take care of business Saturday before Christmas against the Orlando Magic, a team that embarrassed you on your home floor. You better have a bad taste in your mouth from that game and ready to kick some butt. I'm sorry, but this Pacers team needs a fire lit underneath them. And I'm hoping that they figure that out in practice on Tuesday and, and just kind of get that wake up call they need after what has been a hellacious week from the Pacers. It's 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 really shows how much changes in a week. A week ago, woo! Oh man, we were riding high. Life was good. Now all of a sudden, it's like you're you're at a spot where I yeah I never thought I'd say one week later a must win versus Charlotte. Yet here we are, and that that is the reality. So Alex, I really do hope that, that uh, you know we can get back to it. I have not heard any sort of medical update on Jalen Smith and Andrew Nemhard as to when they could be available again, but I do think that the Pacers need a little bit of life injected into them. I think both of those players is part of the strength of what this team was coming into the season, a team with depth. And I feel that right now we have seen that depth dry up and uh, Jalen Smith and Andrew Nemhard. Two players that I very much miss. Hope to see out there soon enough, but there ain't anyone that's going to save this team individually. It's got to be, you know, 1 through 15. Totally agree, Fachi. Well, let's go ahead and wrap this one up as we close out another loss recap podcast. Not been fun the last couple of days, but thank you all so much for joining us and, and being a part of it. And hopefully you guys understand and agree with some of the stuff we're saying here about the losses and, let us know what you think the Pacers should do to try to fix some of these things and make this thing better. So, Fachi, go ahead and let the people know where they can find us at on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at PacersPodSTP. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. 
You can find us on Instagram at PacersPodSTP. You can find us on Facebook, Set the Pace. You can find us on TikTok, Set the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, go to youtube.com slash setting the pace of Pacers podcast. We can find all of our video content. Make sure you leave us a five-star rating and review over on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Please do us a favor and check that out. And tomorrow we have a fun episode in line for you. We've got our Pacers Christmas wish list as well as our Pacers trivia of and fan of the week. So you guys are going to really enjoy those two segments. And I think that's a fun episode and probably brightens your spirits a little bit more than this one here and Fachi does drop some great comments in that one uh just a little spoiler for you so be on the lookout for Fachi's Mount Rushmore of, uh, of Christmas songs but with that being said Fachi if you're hoping the Pacers in this four game losing streak against the Charlotte Hornets on Wednesday night then hit me with those three words let's go Pacers Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.